think it's a constant evolution and growth and like bursting through these self-imposed ceilings too, right? I have to sometimes have pep talks with myself of like when I'm in fear of of growth, like why don't I want to do that? And why don't I think I'm either worthy of that Mm. or capable of and keeping myself small. Welcome back to the I'm Lost So What podcast. This is your host, Cassandra Lay, and I am super excited to have Seppi Tabibian, founder of She Hit Refresh, on the podcast today. Let me share a little bit about Seppi. Seppi, at the age of 35, upended her entire life by selling her belongings and moving to Europe, and since then has never looked back. Now she teaches other women how to do it too at any age through her company, She Hit Refresh, a global community of over 10,000 women age 30 plus who want to move abroad. Seppi prides herself on providing resources, support, and inspiration from online courses to a fast-growing blog to annual retreats and more in order to teach women how to move abroad so that they can confidently make their move sooner rather than never. She has even turned her overseas expertise into the digital book, I'm Out of Here, an American's ultimate visa guide to living in Europe, which was featured in Forbes. And spoiler alert, it is easier than you think. So in this conversation, Sophie and I dive into what it's like to move abroad after 30, specifically her experience, because I moved abroad at 20 plus, and what it's like to also choose your own identity as an immigrant, how to move abroad. And we even got into some of the fun things about what moving abroad is kind of like. We got into dating and pet peeves and cultural funny stories. And I'm just excited for you all to listen to this. This episode is definitely for you if you are thinking about moving abroad in the future. All right, let's dive into it. Hello, hello, everyone. I'm Cassandra Lay, and you're listening to I'm Lost, So What? The podcast exploring between belonging and carving your own path. For all the peeps out there who kind of know what you're doing, but still question, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I'm with you. Hi, Sefi. How are you? Hi, Cassandra. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I am uh, really excited for this conversation. So, Today, we've got lots of things to talk about. We're diving into moving abroad after 30, choosing our identity as immigrants. And then the question I think I get often, and I'm pretty sure you also get often, which is how to actually move abroad. So before we get into all of that, I like to start off each interview with this question. What does being lost mean to you? And can you describe the feeling of being lost? This is a big question and probably my answer would be different depending on the day, but Mm. I was thinking about this question earlier today and just thinking of when I've been lost and what came up for me is just those times in my life when I just felt like maybe I didn't know myself well Mm. enough or maybe I wasn't even looking back. That's probably what it was, but in the moment, that's not what it, that I didn't realize that, but I just was at a point in my life where maybe I didn't know what I was good at. I didn't know what my strengths were. I didn't really, my interests were kind of all over the place. I didn't have a purpose and just kind of feeling aimless, right? And not having clarity on what I was aiming for, not having that greater purpose to my actions. Yeah. To answer that second part, I love this question of like, what did it feel like being lost? I think it feels a bit like low self-esteem, I would say. Mm. Right. Because, you know, we build self-esteem by participating in esteemable acts. And when, at least for me, when I feel a little bit aimless or those 
times in my life when I did, I wasn't engaging in things that was building that characteristic in myself, right? Because mm. I was feeling bad about myself. I didn't really know myself. And that can feel really lonely. Like you're the only one, right? Like everyone around me has it all figured out. And I'm the only one that as time goes by, I still don't know, right? I don't know what yeah. I want to do. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. So for me, that's, I think what lost uh, means to me. Mm, super interesting. So something that you shared uh, just now was, you know, when you don't participate and I know that you are also a community builder and I think you are extroverted. It could be, I could be wrong. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> if anybody knows that be in real life, I would say. <laughs> I would you say amb- ambivert because I okay. can be introverted too. <laughs> okay. So ambivert. Um, so something that I actually saw on TikTok was, I think I was watching a random video and it came up of our love languages and Sometimes when you are feeling low about yourself, whatever your love language is, you actually do the opposite to yourself. And so, for example, my love language is quality time. And this TikTok video basically called me out. They were like, oh, you know, when you're feeling low about yourself, when you feel bad or like when you feel ashamed or when you feel like not worthy, what is your love language? And they were saying, oh, if your love language is quality time, you actually self-isolate when other people are trying to, you know, be with you, cheer you up, but then because you feel so bad about yourself, you self-isolate. So you're removing like that act of love for yourself. But anyways, that was kind of what I was thinking about when you were saying that, especially when we get into the next part of the conversation about like moving abroad, because that is super exciting, also very isolating, lots of things. So let's just get into it. So you moved abroad when you were 35. So what is the difference actually between moving abroad after 30 compared to moving abroad in your 20s? Because I moved abroad right after college when I was like early 20s. Wow. Yes. I mean, they're both exciting times, but I think, you know, if we look at it, they're different stages, right? And it's not just in your 30s. You know, I like to say 30s and beyond. And I think in your 20s, as we all know, typically we have less responsibilities, right? Coming out of college, most of us, some of us. We have less social pressures to be like figuring the things out or we have time to figure things out, right? So it gives us more freedom and flexibility. There's not those social pressures that are telling us, you know, like you need to know it all right now. Mm. But there's something about that number 30, like as we approach it internally and externally, that's when the social pressures start to creep up. That's also when naturally we have more tethers in our lives, right? We might, we may have debt, college Mm. debt may have a mortgage. We may be, you know, having relationships that we're tending to, and that's not just romantic, but maybe that's children that people are having. Maybe that's, you know, parents getting older. So maybe also careers Our careers are growing. So they're just things that are going on in our lives that are different than when we're in our twenties that can make it feel a lot harder to move abroad. And I like to use that word feel because it doesn't have to be harder, but it can make it feel like that. So, and I think the other thing too, is when you're in twenties, I kind of touched on this, you're, you know, when you're in your twenties, you're encouraged to explore. And once you get into your thirties, that's when people start having those expectations that you need to have it all figured out. If you don't have it yet, you need to start figuring out, you know, when are you going to buy your first home? When are you getting married? When are you having kids? And so when you deviate from that path, it just, you know, you get a lot of questions from people and uh, like that. Are you crazy? Like you can't do that. What are you thinking? So I think that's the big difference of kind of do it in your twenties and doing it after 30. I I totally agree. So since I've been in Spain since 22, 23, so I've basically spent most of my twenties here and now spending 
I guess with plans to spend most of my 30s here, I suppose, I've noticed that difference where when I first came here, everybody was like, oh, that's so cool. Like gap year, like, oh my gosh, you're going to be traveling everywhere. You're going to meet so many people. You're just going to have so much fun. And then as I started getting closer to 30, people were like, so when are you going to come back? Like, when are you going to do the adult thing? Like, when are you going to get responsibilities? And I'm like, at that point, I had already really like started moving and living here permanently. So my responsibilities are here. I <laughs> live my life here. So I think I had like two scenarios where one, I was confused because I was like, why are you asking that? Mm-hmm. And then two, pissed off because I was like, you all don't know. Like, it's very, I don't want to say rude because they don't know, but it's almost like overlooking my experience of, yeah, I've built a life here now. And it's almost like you just skip over it and can only see what you have imagined somebody approaching 30 to live. So I don't know if that like happened to you as well. Definitely. Well, it did a little bit because, you know, I I moved to Spain at 35, but I tried many times in my 20s to make it happen. Mm. So I definitely had that grace period of my parents were like, oh, she's just getting out of her system. She's just traveling. Then she'll come back and grow up and get the job. And then as I approached my 30s, I was still trying to bounce back and forth around the world. And that's when, you know, the, the pressures came up. But I would say in my 30s, too, when I moved abroad, you know, people knew my personality, so they were encouraging of it. But there was still, I think, a little bit of that, like, when are you going to X, Y, Z, which comes with, you know, getting older. But we're all on our own timeline, too. So, you know, I just want to, I think, well, we may talk about that a little bit, too. But you don't have to have it all figured out in your 30s. But I think oh, thank you. that is, yes, you have uh, the freedom to continue to figure it out. But I think that weight comes with entering, you know, that next decade. And then if you're trying to move abroad, a lot of people aren't on board with that idea. It's probably not the direction you should be going in life. Mm. So that actually takes me to my second question then. What is the biggest challenge of moving abroad after 30? Because like, yeah, we just talked about, you know, the societal pressure and the weight. Is there anything else, whether it's like pressure, social, mental, something? Yes, you're you're hitting on it. It's the mindset. I think Mm. that's the biggest challenge I see of people feeling like they're too old and it's too late right? Mm. Like I should have done this when I was younger. Now I can't because of filling the excuse there. And I've heard them all. I think there's that fear of the unknown. So also when you get into your thirties, you have a certain rhythm. Usually, you know, you've been doing life for a while. Your life is quite predictable in many ways. And so leaving that, what you've built and, and what you're doing, and sometimes you have a good life. Leaving that is can be scary, right? Because it's unknown. You don't know what's, what's around the corner. Is it better? Are you going to mess up all the things you work so hard for? What will people think? Of course, the career piece. What about my career? Do I have to throw that away? And I think another challenge is just like breaking through those myths that people have that you have to be rich. You have to marry a foreigner. You got to get transferred with a job. And you got to teach English to move abroad. Like they just think those are the ways. There's so many others. So it's really the mindset, I think, yeah. is the biggest challenge. Oh, interesting. I do think a lot of people think that it's either um, you got to work visa, 90 day fiance or whatever it is, um, <laughs> which uh, they've asked. Um, I think when I like when I was first here and then people found out that I moved here and I have my visa in Spain, thanks to my partner who is Spanish. Uh, shout out to Mario. Uh, people were hey, like, Mario. yeah, they were like, how did you meet him? Like, can you tell me where to go? And I was like, um, what do you mean? And they're like, I've been to like all the bars. I've been to like, you know, all the clubs. I've been to all the club, like clubs as in discotecas. And then they said, I've been to all the other clubs, like regular, just 
hobby clubs. And they're like, I can't find a good one. Can you tell me your strategy? And I'm like, girl, I didn't I didn't have a strategy. It kind of just happened. Um, I don't know where to meet them. And they're like, oh, but like, does he have friends? And I'm like, okay, we're not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you because it is an in if you do find a partner. Yes. And I think for a lot of us in the back of our minds, we're like, once you move abroad, and you're like, how, do, how can I stay here? Well, maybe I'll just meet someone and that'll help. I mean, that was always like my plan D. It never happened. I had to figure it out on my own, but it would have made it easier if I would have. Yeah. But I just, uh, that's just to say, like, it is not easy. So don't, don't make that your plan A, ladies. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I would say it's a whole other thing. Like, the visa process is one thing. Dating somebody outside of your culture and language um, is a whole other thing. I don't know which one is easier or not, if we're considering like Spanish bureaucracy. Um, Okay, but I do have like a counter question to that. So we just talked about the challenge. What are the opportunities or the biggest opportunities to move abroad after year 30? Yes. Oh my God, this is one of my favorites. So I think the biggest opportunity is just giving yourself that blank slate. Mm. People, this is your chance to start from scratch. I mean, so many of us are on this path that was kind of laid before us. We're on this hamster wheel and we're not even exactly sure how we got on. We don't want to be on it. And moving abroad is your your opportunity to like jettison all those things, the things that aren't working for you, the things you don't want to be doing, the things you want to change. And moving abroad lets you start over and and start to build life on your terms, how you want to do it. And I really think it gives you a a second chance. So I think that is the biggest opportunity. Mm, Interesting. So question about that. Do you think like you have to move abroad? I know that we were talking about moving abroad and all that stuff to get like a second chance, but do you think you have to move abroad? to do it? Or could you move within like your own country? I'm just thinking like my middle sister, my family lives in Virginia where I was born and raised. And she just decided to pick up and move all the way over to San Diego. And that has given her almost like a blank slate ish. Do you think it's like the same if you move within your country or better? I don't want to say better, but I guess something different to move abroad. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I would say it's definitely not the same, but it definitely is an opportunity to give yourself that blank slate. I mean, the blank slate is really just disconnecting from everything you know, right? So, and I think we're going to talk about identity, but it gives yeah. you that a fresh identity. So you can do that in your own country, in your own state, right? Moving somewhere where you don't know anybody, the culture may be a little bit different, but it's not going to be like that jumping into, you know, a cold plunge pool, like it is when you move abroad, where there could be a different language, a totally foreign culture and uh, norms. And so that really is going to shake things up and allow you to also shed who you who you thought you were because you're having to navigate so many new things on your own. So I think it can be done in your home country, but there's nothing like moving yeah. to somewhere completely different. Totally agree. I did move also within the US. I don't know if you did either. And it definitely shakes things up. It does, I think, give us a little bit more opportunity because like once you move abroad, like you're really um like just floating. Just floating there. (laughs) Uh, At least when I moved around in the US, it was like, okay, they speak English. I kind of more or less understand social norms and like what I'm expected to do and all of this stuff. But when I came here to Spain, um, I didn't really know how to actually even order like food correctly or... I don't know. It sounds like very simple, but it was things like going to the grocery store that I didn't really even know how to do. I mean, you know, you know how to do it, but like, how do you find things? Yeah. How do you navigate that in a, you know, a supermarket that you've never been to in the sense like everything's different. So 
Totally. I mean, I, I, I mean, I only moved in the U.S. really from Houston to Austin, so two mm-hmm. different cities in the same state. But they are so different that I did change a lot in mm. in Austin. But again, that just is not the same right jolt that you get when yeah. you're like dumped completely somewhere that you're like, I don't even know what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So this takes me into the next part of the conversation, which is choosing our own identity as immigrants or as people who decide to move abroad. What does moving abroad allow us to like, well, not just what, how does moving abroad allow us to lean into different versions of ourselves? Because you just said it. I mean, you changed a lot from moving from Houston to Austin, but how did you change from Austin to Spain? Yes. Also, another question I love, this uh, really lingers around uh, the talk that I gave at TEDx about, you know, that change that we have as as immigrants, right? So I think moving abroad just gives you that sense sense of freedom and mm. that freedom to choose your own identity. So we talked about kind of, you know, identities that are formed, you know, from where we are and where we're living. But I think, you know, you when you move abroad, you're freed of the expectations of society, of your community, of your family. And that is so liberating. And so that gives you a lot of freedom from the identity you were boxed into. Again, like we just kind of end up on this like path to success. Everyone says is what we need to do. Um, when sometimes that's not even really what we want. And so that identity that was forced upon you really just kind of can fade away when you move somewhere new where you don't know anybody and you're not tied to who you thought you were and who other people thought you were too. So I Mm -hmm. think that is really important because it lets you, again, gives you that blank slate. And just linking this back to my TED talk, I think this is really important to remember when we're talking about immigrants and immigrants come in all different shapes and sizes, right? Like I consider myself a very privileged immigrant who moved to mm-hmm. Spain because I wanted to. It's a bit Same. different from, right? So from our parents, I don't know exactly your parents' situation, but my parents moved to the US, you know, wasn't really out of choice. So that's a different situation, Same. right? But we're all immigrants, not in the same way, but we're all under that umbrella. And I think... So often immigrants are painted as scrappy people who are able to turn something out of nothing. And that is true. You know, I I definitely think that we are very scrappy people, but I think we're so much more than that. I think immigrants really are visionaries and creators and they're able to see themselves differently abroad. And I think that's what really helps us uh, when we're talking about moving abroad and, and, you know, changing identities. That's what you get when you, when you move. Yeah, I love that. And definitely true because sometimes I think about like my immigration story compared to my parents. And finally, the fact that you mentioned it in your TED Talk, I mentioned it in my own too, where uh-huh. I was talking about my parents' immigration story was m- more from, I guess, not what is the word? I don't remember the word it is, but it's because they were forced to. They had to after the Vietnam War and their immigrant story basically was out of necessity. And Mm -hmm. thanks to their necessity of doing that, it gave me a leg up and privilege to now choose to do it for myself. Mm -hmm. I don't know. This is probably a conversation I should have with my parents about like how they feel about that because I think they were like, what we like started from zero and built everything in the U.S. for you to Mm. to live a comfortable life like we couldn't what are you doing leaving um but that is a conversation maybe for another day but um I am curious to know how have you reinvented yourself because we were just talking about like having that blank slate to kind of choose who you are or choose what your identity is how have you reinvented your identity living abroad or even from Houston to Austin Yes. Well, I think 
so much of that, you know, just, you know, that opportunity of the blank slate, I think I really leaned into that. I, mm. I felt that sense of freedom. Like I could be anybody I want to be because nobody knows me here. Not in the sense that I was going to become completely somebody different, yeah. but I could do things without fearing that judgment of other people thinking like, oh my God, what is she doing? Who does she think she is? Like, she's not someone to do that. Because mm. really, again, we really box ourselves into who we think we are. So I think you know, how I reinvented myself when I moved to Spain is, well, one, when I got here, I had no idea of like what I was going to do. I I came here and taught English and that's not what I wanted to do long-term, but I didn't have clarity on that. And I was 35 at the time. I came here to Spain as a serial job hopper. So it's not like I had this like amazing career that I was tapping into over here. I really had to figure out what was next and, and kind of what I wanted to be when I grew up. Right. And Mm so I started just leaning into all of these interests that I had, Mm. all of these new interests, ideas that were coming to me that I was like, what is that? Like, I would never do that, but I keep getting that idea. So let me try. And so I was just open. I think part of moving abroad too gave me the time and the freedom Mm. to delve into these interests because I didn't have all the stressors that I had in the US and wasn't working at that same capacity. And so I became a blogger. I I was never a writer. So I became a blogger. I became a community builder. I became a content creator. I became a leader. And I think most importantly, I became a founder of my business and a business that actually, you know, profoundly impacts people in their lives. And so it was a real 180 for me when I moved abroad and started leaning into that freedom of just playing with my identity and trying on different things that I would have never have dared to do back Mm. in the US. Do you think that you mainly because I just literally made a post about this on Instagram. So (laughs) I'm curious, do you think we reinvent ourselves or it's more like you always had those inklings and like interests, but because of time, job capacity, energy, all of these things, maybe we're just stuck in our same patterns in, you know, when you're living in the same place that you always lived, those kind of just held you back. And you've always had like this fire. I call it a fire. I've seen you in person as well. So whoever has seen (laughs) Sophia Merzen, definitely (laughs) lots of energy and so much fun. But do you think that was always there or like you kind of reinvented yourself and then it kind of came with it? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And it's a hard one to answer because I think I I think I definitely always had the fire. I mean, I remember Mm. being in my teens wanting to try different things, Mm. but maybe not doing them or maybe dabbling and then being like, oh, this is silly. Like, yeah, I think I'd wanted to start a ballet class at 20. And then I was like, oh, I'm too old to do that. So Mm. things like that, you know, I think I tried to do, but I was really, really preoccupied with the judgment around me of what people would think. And something was unlocked when I moved abroad, probably that freedom that I was talking about of being untethered. And that really just like, it was unlocked and went in full force. I was just like, oh yeah, let's try this. Let's do that. And just really trying things without overthinking them. And so probably the fire was always there, but it was accelerated by Mm. uh, by removing myself from uh, kind of my comfort zone. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So Mm -hmm. how, or I guess next question is, um, what identities have you let go of since moving abroad? And what was the process like? Because I talked about this in season one about, I had an episode called Rest in Peace to the me I learned to love, which I think that's episode four. If you all want to go listen to it, I talk about like this identity that I held onto for so long. And then I had like, and not only did this identity 
come with me because I held on to it. It also brought me all of these like amazing things that I have now. So I had a lot of guilt and grief around letting this specific identity go and then moving into something else because this identity that I was holding was just like hurting me. And it was basically the identity of like being a workaholic or somebody who like prided themselves so much in having a small business and like just doing everything for their small business. And I realized like, oh yeah, it built like the thing that I have now and it provides for me, it like pays for rent and utilities. Mario has come and like started working with me. That's awesome. But then I was burnt out and then I like, I boxed myself in. So mm. have you had an, any identities that you had to let go of? And what was that like? Such an interesting question. Um, when I think about it, I'm not sure that I let go of any identities, mm. but I think my identity evolved, mm. right? Because I think I just moved away from who maybe I thought I was. It wasn't a let go. It was just, yeah, it feels like more of an evolution seems like the right word, or maybe like an expansion mm. of into who I needed to be. So I definitely evolved in ways I could touch on a few, but you know, I never saw myself as a creative person. I never saw myself as a writer. I never saw myself as a leader. I would shy away from anything that kind of put me in those positions uh, before. And really in my journey here in Spain, I have evolved to become like a hyper creative person. I would consider myself a writer. I mean, I'm a published author now. I am a, a leader, you know, a founder and community builder, like I mentioned. So I think I've just evolved in building my confidence, going back to, you know, participating in esteemable acts, just, you know, doing things that allowed me to see what my abilities mm -hmm. were gave me a lot of clarity in my strengths and belief in myself. And that kind of led to being a really uh, a risk taker. Maybe I was more risk averse in certain areas of my life. I've always been a bit open to risk, but in certain areas, especially in a professional sense and putting myself out there in front of people, that wasn't something that I would always do willingly. And now I'm like taking risks left and right, uh, trying to fail fast and learn from that. Yeah. And just understanding that that is part of the journey and that's going to get me to where I want to get quicker. So not really worrying about what people think or the consequences. So really, I think it's been more of an evolution of letting go of somebody who maybe wasn't so confident and really building that confidence um, by doing. Along mm. the way. And how was it like letting that person go? Was it like painful? Because I know so for me, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like grief <laughs> of over myself. Like, oh, this is terrible. Or was it more like, Okay. See ya. Ciao. Right. It was probably anxiety inducing and exhilarating okay. at the same time. And those are probably like the same feeling, but at like two different yeah. ends of the spectrum. Right. But I mean, there were times, many times and still where I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this? I don't want to do this. And on the other end, just being exhilarated by like what that's like the growth I'm going to go through, like who I'm going to become after that. And so it's a bit of like putting your ego aside of being mm. like, you know, it doesn't matter what people think, like, let's just do this anyways. And getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, right? Growth is uncomfortable. And I think this evolution of identity is, uh, is, is growing into something new. So I think what helps though is vocalizing what you're doing to other people. Like, I mean, like vocalizing what you're doing, like saying I'm a blogger when I don't feel like a blogger and yeah. I've only pu published one blog. So like, you know, not hiding, being vulnerable and showing people the growth that you're going through, I think can help you, I don't know, evolve uh, and have it not feel so awkward. 
Yeah, no, I love that. And also what you said too, about like putting your ego aside. I feel like a lot of things that get caught into our identity, like they're, I guess, two opposite ends of the spectrum, like feeling super empowered by your identity and all of this stuff and like defining like who you are and really being grounded in your values and yourself and then getting boxed in your identity because then ego kind of starts taking up too much space Mm -hmm. and basically keeping you small, even though your identity can make you so big, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's like we reach one ceiling, we've, we've made one breakthrough and then we reach another ceiling within our identities, right? It's like, I think it's a constant evolution and growth and like bursting through these self-imposed ceilings too, right? I have yeah. to sometimes have pep talks with myself of like when I'm in fear of, of growth, like why don't I want to do that? And why don't I think I'm either worthy of that mm. or capable of and keeping myself small, like you say. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So let's get into the good stuff. I mean, this whole conversation was awesome, Um, (laughs) but I feel like there might be some people who are listening who are like, okay, so how do I actually move abroad? So there are lots of different ways, like Zeppi mentioned, to move abroad. Um, What is one thing someone can do to get them one step closer to actually making that move abroad? All right. Well, this may not seem like the obvious, but I think this is super important. And that I think is finding a community of like-minded people. So, and I say that because wherever you are, especially if you are in the US and you are thinking of moving abroad and you start telling your friends and family, a lot of times they're not going to get it. They're not going to get it because they probably haven't done it. It's not something they've ever thought of doing and it's going to sound crazy to them. And they're going to project those fears and what they think on you. And you're going to start doubting your decision. Like Maybe I am crazy. Maybe maybe I am too old. Maybe this isn't a good idea. So when you um, surround yourself with people who get you and a like-minded community, it really empowers you to navigate this path because there's going to be a lot of obstacles you're going to face. So I think that helps you uh, feel good about your decision and idea and know that it's not crazy and know that you're able to do it and will help you stick to it if it's something that you really want to do. I love that. Also, you do have a community, don't you? I do. So for any women over 30, if you're looking for your people, join my Facebook group. It's free. It's called She Hit Refresh. So you can find that and and join us there. Yes. I will include that in the show notes, of course. So when we're thinking about moving abroad, what is one thing most people probably don't take into account? And I always like to almost divide this into like all of the emotional stuff, because, you know, when everybody's thinking about moving abroad, they're thinking more like logistical, tangible visas, paperwork, booking flights, where am I going to live, blah, blah, blah. But once you're actually abroad and then or approaching your departure date to have to say goodbye, the emotional, spiritual, mental stuff, I think, kicks in. So can you share from emotional, mental, spiritual side and then also the physical, logical, tangible side of things? Yes. You have so many great questions, Cassandra. I love this. So this is great. I'm so glad you brought this up, the emotional side, the mental side, because I talk about this a lot and I like to shine a light on this because I don't think it's talked about enough. And that is that you're going to have doubts. You may know for sure that you want to move abroad and you've known that for years, but you're still going to have doubts about your decision before, during, and after your move. Like it's totally normal. Like I, so you're saying, yes, you get it, right? Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> I knew I wanted to go abroad since I was 21 and I finally made it happen at 35. And still the day of my flight, I had those butterflies in my stomach of like, what am I doing? Is this the right thing? And then even after I was living my best life in Spain, there are still moments where I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. Is, it, am I, is this the right thing? Do I need to go back? Yeah. So they're, they're fleeting now. They don't stick around, but still those ideas still come into my mind. So uh, you get it. <laughs> yes, I, I got it. Um, and totally true. I don't think it ever goes away. There are definitely like what you were saying, Sophie, like the fleeting thoughts. They used to be a lot stronger. I think when I first arrived and I was kind of like fumbling through carving a space for myself here. And now that I am more fluent in the language, I am more immersed in the culture. I understand more about like how this country works. I don't think about it so often. Although there are times where I'm like, should I go back? And then I'm like, <laughs> nah. Right. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever go back either, but those thoughts creep up. They sometimes. do. They do creep up. Um, and then they're like, oh, no. Uh, so what about the physical, logical, tangible stuff? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this. I have two one, two here. And one of okay. them is more of a fun one and one's more practical. So the one, the fun one is, Hey, dating, dating is different. So let's just get that out there. Because <laughs> um, I think some people and myself included, you know, we come to Europe and we talked a little bit about, you know, meeting someone, but it, we can have that like rom-com fairy tale in our mind, Emily in Paris kind of thing. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Which you can, you know, it'll totally feel like, a, it can feel like a rom-com at, at times. But also, it's just important to be aware that dating is different abroad, especially if you're coming from the U.S. These are this is a different culture, norms, language, wherever you're going. Dating culture is different. And so you just need to give yourself a learning curve to learn about that. And also that dating is dating no matter where you are. You're still going to have to kiss a lot of frogs to find your prince. It's not like if you're moving to Europe, every European guy is perfect and blows American guys out of the water. Like huh. you still got to shuffle through them to find or men or women, whatever you're looking for. Um, so I just say be open to the experience and, and have fun with it. Uh, but on a more practical level, I think it's important to understand learning a language takes mm. longer than you think. I have been here eight years and I'm still learning, you know, I'm not fluent. I wish I was, I'm good, good at it, but I'm still not me the way I'm in English and Spanish. Maybe that will never happen. I don't know, but it's feeling like a lifelong journey. Oh, <laughs> I, I told you that too. Oh yeah. I was, okay. So I have two follow-up questions to that. <laughs> um, first one about dating. Do you have any funny cultural moments on any dates that you feel comfortable sharing? Cause I can share <laughs> and nothing. Oh my gosh. I have so many, but nothing is coming to mind right now. I'm blanking out. So I think oh you have God. to go first. And we'll okay, see I'll go first. okay. So when I first came here, I said that I didn't want to date because I was like, I'm here for my European adventure. I don't have time to date. Uh, but then I got curious. So I got Tinder and I think everybody that I talked to on Tinder, I don't know if this is like a cultural mishap, but this is more annoying, I think, because a lot of people know when you're from the U.S. and you come here, the things that they told me, like all of them were like, what's a girl from the U.S. doing over here? You're so far away. Number one, they always said that. Number two was, oh, let's do an exchange. Like I'll teach you English or I'll teach you Spanish and um, you can teach me English. Of course, insinuating lots of other things. Those were like the two things that I always, always got on Tinder. And then when I started dating Mario, we've been together now for like eight years. But when he wanted to tell me that he liked me, the verb in Spanish is gustar, but it's a reflexive verb. This is about to get into like a Spanish grammar lesson right now. Um, so the verb in Spanish is gustar and it is reflexive. So you have to say 
me gusta, te gusta, all of those things. But when you're trying to say I like you, it is, oh, how do you say it? I don't even know how to say it correctly. It's me gustas, like, me gustas. I think so. Yeah. So technically when it's translated, it's it means you are liked by me, which is the actual translation. But if you're just doing a raw translation, it's you like me. So he was trying to say, I like you. <laughs> and he kept saying, no, you like me. And I was like, this pompous ass, like <laughs> cocky person, what does he know? And he was like, yeah, I know. I know that you like me. And I was like, no, you don't. He's like, yes, I do. You like me. And I was like, no, you don't know. And he's like, I do know you like me. And then we figured it out that he was trying to say, I like you. <laughs> <So> that was <laughs> something else. There, there are lots more, but that one always sticks out to me. <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, see, that's kind of rom-commy. So you can have your fun little yeah. rom-commy moments like that. They exist. I love that. Nothing came to mind. So we'll just stick oh, okay. with the story. Okay, then we'll just stick with mine. Um, okay. And then the other question I had, oh yes, was about language. So something I'm always curious about because I am also good enough in Spanish, but definitely there's still like, like you were saying, I am not like fully myself just yet. So I'm curious to know, do you think your personality changes in English and Spanish? Like, do you think your identity as Seppi? is yeah. different like are you seppi spanish seppi and then seppi english speaking seppi mm, yeah that's another great question yeah it changes and for me it changes because i don't feel as confident in spanish mm. as i do in english so one i can't make jokes like it's so hard by the time i thought of a joke everyone's moved on yes. conversation so it's really hard to do like small talk and like little fun jabs like here ja and there yeah. you can't be jokey jokey and i just i yeah like i said i don't have the confidence so even Mm, the way I like my body language changes mm. too. I think in Spanish of someone who's not as confident. And so that is a huge goal of mine is like getting to that next level to where I just feel like myself. Maybe I can't express myself exactly. I want to, but at least I can feel like myself in many ways in Spanish. So mm. um, we'll see if, uh, if my identities feel different when I get to that level. Okay. We'll have a, we'll have another conversation when that yeah. comes. <laughs> What about you? I'm curious to hear about you. Do you feel like your identity changes? I think it does. I don't think I'm as funny in <laughs> Spanish as I am in English. I think I'm like the bee's knees in English. You are. <laughs> in in Spanish, I'm more like, I'm like a subtle funny, which is fine. <laughs> like I'll accept it, you know, but I don't think I get to express myself as fully as I want to in Spanish, even though like now I'm able to like debate and have arguments and I can kind of like interject myself into conversations, which I was really afraid to before. I don't get so lost anymore. Like I can still make jokes here and there, but sometimes if they talk about super cultural things or maybe when they get like really into figurative Spanish speaking type expressions. Oh yeah. That just goes way over my head. I'm like, <laughs> I like, cause I know like my Spanish is good enough and people forget that I'm not native mm -hmm. That's because like my accent apparently is very good or you know like the way I talk sounds like a native so then they get into their rhythm and then they start saying things and I'm like wait not yet not there I'm not there yet but yeah. thank you it's a compliment I know I'm like thank you for uh seeing me in that light but um can you explain that one more time so it's almost there. I am planning on taking Spanish classes eventually just to like improve and not be at like a standstill level. Cause I feel like I've reached like this peak of 
oh yeah, you're fluent enough and people can understand you enough that you don't necessarily need to improve. But I really want to get more like vocabulary and like, I don't know, just sound funnier. (laughs) Yeah. Just be become more of ourselves. I mean, I'm going to take classes again too. I feel like I've actually gone backwards because I speak my Spanish, my boyfriend is Spanish also, but I don't speak, he speaks perfect English. So Um, I'm not taking advantage of the in-house tutor as much (laughs) as I should. And a lot of my life is in English because of the work I do. Um, So I need to make a more conscious effort after being here eight years to get back on it. Cause you do get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm good. Like I can navigate, I can be independent here, but then you reach a plateau and you realize, yeah, there's still so much growth that, that I can do. Yeah. Continuing to the moving abroad stuff. Do you yes. have a pet peeve when someone says, I'm going to move abroad? Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> tell it. Tell it to the people. Well, not so much when someone says, I'm going to move abroad. But when I bring up this the topic of moving abroad or someone brings it up and then someone has to interject and say, and I know this is going to be a divisive thing that I'm saying here. People are like, well, you need to make sure that, you know, you don't get stuck in your foreign bubble and you need to integrate mm-hmm. and you need to X, Y, Z, which we were just talking about learning the language. But I'm actually, my stance on like, you have to integrate and, you know, be a part of the local culture has really changed um, over the past few years. I think, you know, let people live how they want to. Like, of course, I'm all for you will have such a much richer experience if you learn the local language, have friends who are locals. But in reality, that's not so easy, especially if you're moving abroad in your 30s, 40s, 50s and above, like good luck trying to get into a local circle, yeah. it is hard if you don't have a, a partner. Um, also, you know, learning a language, as we mentioned, isn't so easy. And we both come from immigrant backgrounds. I have immigrants in my family in the U.S. who still don't speak English well, who have a lot of friends that are from the country they're from, and that's totally okay. So I don't want to be judging people on, on how they want to live abroad. But mm-hmm. I know other people have different views of like, don't come to a foreign country to speak your own language and hang out with your own people. So that's that's why my pet peeve. Ooh, <laughs> I'm curious to see what people will say after they listen to this because right? I have my own stance. I am like both and. Like, mm-hmm. I do agree. You definitely get like a richer experience when you like immerse yourself in local culture and like the language. And then also at the same time, if you just like leave all your people, which is like, something I think I ended up doing, I like teetered all the way to being like, oh, I'm not going to hang out with anybody from the US. Like I'm going to only hang out with like local Spanish people. But then you kind of like isolate yourself also again, because it's like, oh gosh, I don't have anybody that gets me. They like kind of get me and they get me enough as they can. But when I'm talking about like the cultural differences, cultural mishaps that you kind of just go through when you're living abroad, they're going to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. But somebody else who it gets me and is like a foreigner like me, they're going to be like, oh, yeah. And we can totally just like rip off about it. So yes, I get it. And okay, so before we wrap up, I have two questions, two final questions. The first one is, do you have a nuanced conversation you think that we're not having enough of? Oh, Cassandra's bringing the questions here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think we're having the conversation, but definitely not enough. I think it's that, you know, living outside of the box is okay. Mm. Living on that unconventional path, taking the unconventional path is okay and just as valid as people who are going on the path of like, you know, climbing the career ladder, getting married, having kids, all of that stuff that a lot of our friends are doing back home, or at least mine are. Um, I think it's important to talk about like, there's no one way to do life. There's no one measure of success. And really the point of life, at least in my opinion, is that it's to be experienced. So it's okay to start over again at 35, at 40, to not know what you're doing, to still be exploring and and figuring it out what you want to do when you grow up. So I think that's an important conversation, especially kind of in the line of work that I do for women 
women over 30 and women who have deviated from that Mm. normal path who maybe don't want to get married, who don't want to have kids and don't want to, you know, have those six, seven figure salaries and and have to work 60 hours a week. Like it's okay to do something different. I love that. And I am all for having more of those conversations considering that I am one of those people. Um, And you're right. There's no way, no one right way to live life. And I think my quality of life has exponentially improved since living in Spain. And I always feel like, you know, when those thoughts come back of, do I go back home? Do I go back to the US? Every time I go back and visit, I'm kind of like, oh yeah, quality of life. I mean, maybe I would have more business. Maybe I would be making way more money, but I have so much like time, space, freedom here. And I've created such like a great like environment for myself to thrive in my own way that I don't know if I would be able to replicate what I have here back there anymore. And yeah, it just doesn't make sense. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. All right. So before we wrap up, uh, I love to end every podcast episode with a journaling prompt, exploratory question, exercise, whatever it is. So do you have a journaling prompt, exercise, exploratory question for all the people who are listening? It could be related to anything that we talked about today, moving abroad, choosing our identities, moving abroad after 30, or you can pull something else out and be like, no, I'm going to, you can journal about this. Well, I, this is for people who want to move abroad. This is actually a prompt that I give uh, to people in my masterclass. And this is, you know, sit down, get your paper and journal about what does a move abroad look like to you? And I'll give some context to that because when people say they want to move abroad, that looks different to everybody. Some people want to be moving to Portugal because that's where all the Americans are moving to and it's easy and it's nice there. Some people want to move to Mexico, right? And and live in Mexico City. And some people want to go to Thailand. Some people want to volunteer. Some people want to retire. Some people want to be sitting by the beach and some want to hustle in bustling city. So what does that mean when you say you want to move abroad? What are you doing with your time? How are you making money? What are you doing on a daily basis? Is dating important to you? Is that something you want to do? Do you want to be making friends? Do you want to be, you know, isolated somewhere on your own? So really just sit down and think about really in the context of if you could build that life on your terms, that ideal life, that life that you would love to live, what does that look like to you? So that's my journal prompt there. I love that. Yeah. And I just would encourage people like dream big. This is your chance. Like put it to paper and get clear on that. Mm, I love that. Honestly, I would say really dream big because whatever you imagine and what I was just saying before too, about like trying to replicate like a life in Spain to the US or the life in the US to Spain, think bigger than that Mm because it will look very, very different. So thank you for this journaling prompt. I will also journal on it. I mean, you know, why not? Even though I'm already here, but um, right. Change. But it's, it's, it's ever evolving. I think our like vision of what life on our terms looks like, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like maybe you feel like that too. Like, I feel like I've reached a place where I probably couldn't even have imagined. I didn't imagine eight years ago. I've like exceeded that through what I believed. Yeah. But there's still more that I can do and shape and, and work towards. So yeah. Yeah, you could still you could still journal on that. Oh yeah, I'll be journaling on it. Don't worry. <laughs> so that ends this conversation, Sefi. Thank you so so much for joining and for sharing all of your tips and just like your experience and story. Before we completely close off, is there anything that you are excited about in the upcoming months? Yes. Well, first, I want to just thank you so much for having me on. This has been really a unique experience in terms of podcasts I've been on. Like, I really 
I love these questions. Okay. You have just done an incredible job. So thank you for, you know, creating this space to talk about things that I think a lot of other people aren't talking about. Um, in terms of things that are exciting that are coming up, yes, I had just mentioned my masterclass. So I have a, a Move Abroad After 30 masterclass love that it. is starting in September. Yes. And so it's for all the women over 30 out there. It's a live four-day training um, where I you know, help you realize that a Move Abroad on your terms is possible. And we start to create a plan to get you started. So it's just $37. So it would be silly not to join me, but that's coming up in September. And yeah, that's what I'm most excited for. Love it. Okay. So- so I will link that in the show notes for anybody who is interested. And Sophie, where can people find you? Yes. If you'd like more information, definitely the website, shehitrefresh.com is the best place to, to start at. But you can also follow us at shehitrefresh on Instagram and TikTok, YouTube. There's tons of resources. And again, if you're a woman over 30, join me in my Facebook group uh, at shehitrefresh. Love that. Okay. All of those links will be in the show notes. And for anybody who is listening and you are itching, thinking about moving abroad, come join us over on the dark side. I mean, it's not really dark. In Spain, it's pretty sunny, very, (laughs) and warm (laughs) right now. Um, But we would love to have you abroad and to just share this experience with you all. So thank you, everyone. And stay fierce, fam. If you're hearing this message, that means you made it to the end of this episode. Yay! Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and thought to yourself, whoa, it me, I'd love if you could share this with others, post about it on social media, and or leave a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe too. Want to hang out with me in other areas of the internet? You can follow me on Instagram at CassandraTLE. For brand message and content marketing tips and resources, check out my business at The Corky Pineapple Studio. Thanks again and see you in the next episode. Stay fierce, fam.